Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. So when I first showed up here over 25 years ago now, one of the first things that they did for me was they put me in a car and they took me to Indianapolis to a leadership conference. Now I'd been in ministry at another church before here and we talked a little bit about leadership but not a whole lot. I had not really had much exposure to that. They took me to something called a John Maxwell Leadership Conference. And I'm telling you, that experience changed my life, and I have since then tried to grow myself as a leader, to become a better leader. And if you know anything about leadership, you know it is a massive subject. There's all different veins of leadership. There's different areas where you can excel and maybe don't excel. And um, so it's just been a lifelong uh, journey for me to, to continue on that path to try to be a better leader and have a long way to go. But, but you know, there's always hope. There's always room for improvement. But... John Maxwell has written an awful lot of books, and one of the books that he's, he wrote, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, uh, he's written books on attitude, he's written books on teamwork. One of the books he wrote was a little book called Running with the Giants, and so that is the inspiration for this series that we begin today, and uh, um, this is the theme verse for us to just kind of kick off today, and I'll just tell you, if you want to find a place in the Bible to follow along, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Kind of go to the middle, and um, probably maybe just go a little back to your left, and, and you should run into Isaiah. But this is, I'm going to start everything by giving us our, basically our theme verse for the whole series, and it comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, and this is what it says. It says, therefore, and before I go any farther, I've got to stop, and I've got to help you to understand that anytime you see the word therefore, you need to stop and ask yourself, what is that there for? Because it's there for a reason. What's going on here is you look at the bottom of the screen there, it says Hebrews 12, 1. That means we're starting a new chapter. And by the way, man put those in there. That's not the way they originally came, right? Like we delineated the Bible and divided it up later. But therefore separates Hebrews 12.1 from the last verses of Hebrews chapter 11. And so if you grew up in church and you have gone to church a lot, or if you're a, a, you know, a pretty committed Bible reader, you may understand and may know that what has just been talked about in Hebrews 11 is what we call the, the hall of fame of faith, or the hall of faith. It's a, it's a place where the writer of Hebrews goes through and talks about all these Old Testament characters and these, these people that set themselves apart by the way, you know, they, they did something great for God. They, you know, God used them in some magnificent way. And so um, they, they, they talk about that in chapter 11. And then he pivots and he uses this word therefore. And now he's going to talk about something else in chapter 12. But he wants to join those two verses together. So he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, those people are now in heaven. And they're watching us. They are, they are witnessing us. They, they, they see what we're doing. So a way to look at this is to kind of see them in the stands. Uh, kind of imagine when you see the Olympics. Kind of think of that. You know, the, the Summer Olympics with the track and all the people are there watching the different track and field events. And so the, the stands are full. And these witnesses are in the crowd. And we are the participants. We are in the games. We are the runners. We are the, the one putting shot or we're throwing the javelin or, or, or whatever it is. And so the author of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, we need to think about how they did it, 
How did those great guys do it in Hebrews 11? And how can I win the way they won? How can I do something big for God the way they did something big for God? What does that look like for me? And then he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So, so that's kind of the theme verse over the, the next, uh, I think, six weeks. We're going to be in, in this series, Running with the Giants. And John wrote this little book, Running with the Giants. I would just tell you that none of the characters that we're going to look at in this series are actually the characters that he uses in the book. But I'm probably going to come behind this maybe a year from now and do a, a part two, Running with the Giants. And a lot of the characters in this book we will take a, a look at. Um, now here's the problem with the crowd in the stands, Okay. If you're running in, a, in an arena like that and there are a lot of people yelling at you, the, the chances are that if your mother and father were in the stands and they were trying to yell instruction or if your coach had to stay in the stands and was going to try and yell instruction, you probably would not be able to hear his voice over all the other voices, right? Like all the other voices would drown out the one voice that you were trying to hear. So in John Maxwell's book, he puts forth this thought, what if these people that are in the hall of fame of faith, what if as they witness us running around the track, as they witness us going through life trying to do our thing, what if one by one they came down out of the crowd so that we could hear them and they ran alongside us and they whispered in our ear encouragement and things that we needed to know and things that they, they wanted us to know to, to tell us how to win. What would they tell you? You know, what would, what would some of these great Bible characters, what would they come out of the stands and tell you? Out of all of the things they could say, what is the one or two things maybe they would say to you as you run your race? Today, we're going to take a look at the prophet Isaiah, and he is going to run alongside us. And I'm just going to tell you today, you should leave here very encouraged today. I hope that by the time Isaiah gets done talking to you as you run your lap, I hope you leave here more encouraged than when you showed up. Uh, Isaiah lived about 800 years before Jesus. Um, Isaiah's book, he has a book in the Bible. It's one of the larger, it might be the largest book in the Bible at 66 chapters. And if you wanted to see kind of the historic side of the life of Isaiah, you would find that in 2 Kings, along about chapters 15 through 20. So that, that kind of shows you the life of Isaiah and kind of the historical side of it. But the actual prophecies of Isaiah... And the prophetic are in the prophetic section of the Old Testament. And it's interesting, the interesting thing about Isaiah is that he saw Jesus. He, he, he saw what was going to happen with Jesus. And you've got to keep in mind, this is 800 years before Jesus lived. John tells us in his gospel that Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord, that he saw Jesus. Isaiah describes in pretty crisp detail some of the things that would happen around the Passion Week and the crucifixion. And so, here's the thing about a prophet. A prophet is someone who helps you to see. That's what a prophet does. It helps you to see. In fact, sometimes you will hear a prophet referred to as a seer. And, and they see things that others don't see, and that's why they would prophesy. God would use them to say the things that he needed people to say. He would basically say, hey, the crowd can't see this. I need you to say this on my behalf. And that's, that was the, really the role and the, pro the work of a prophet. So the goal of today's message is that you would see your spiritual journey a lot clearer today on the back side than on the front side. Um, if you were looking to, 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 for a, like a theme verse out of the book of Isaiah, out of all 66 chapters, I think the one that you might settle on comes from Isaiah 30. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, 
your ears will hear a voice behind you. In other words, God will speak to you. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Some of you would say, Brett, I've never heard that. I've never had that in my life. I've never had the voice of God. In fact, when people talk about the voice of God and they hear the voice of God, it makes me a little leery. I kind of don't want to be around them because they sound weird to me. And I, listen, I get that. But today, I want you to know that it is possible, I'm hoping that you will discover why you never have heard the voice of God in your life. When I talk about that, I'm not talking about some audible voice, okay? I think we would all wet our pants if we ever actually heard the audible voice of God. I know I would. It would not be pretty. Um, But there are those moments when when you can definitely sense that God is leading you in a direction or he's, he's... quietly speaking something to you, and you just kind of know, this is not just an ordinary, this isn't just me thinking thoughts in my head. I really think God is leading me here. And and so we're going to try to discover how we can have this moment with God this morning so that we can understand, because the the truth is a lot of us, if we're honest this morning, we would say, Brett, it's all very confusing for me. This whole God, how do you hear from God? It's all very confusing for me. So when we get confused, what do we do? We ponder, right? We ponder things. We stroke our beards, and we ponder. So I just thought for fun, I don't have a lot of jokes in my sermon today, so just for fun, I just brought some ponderables, all right? So begin to stroke your beard. Ladies, if you have a beard, you have a bigger problem than that, so. (laughs) But here's some ponderables for you. If you were to choke a Smurf, what color would he turn? Why do round pizzas come in square boxes? You ever pondered that? Why does the man who invests your money, why do they call him a broker? Why do they call tuna fish but not chicken bird? Like, honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? Oh, chicken bird. We're having some chicken bird. Here's one. If corn oil comes from corn... Where does baby oil come from? <laughs> and the last ponderable this morning, and I may give you some of these every week. It may, we may just do this every week. If the professor on Gilligan's Island can make a radio out of some vines and a coconut, why can he not fix the hole in the boat? Can somebody tell me that? So now I realize that, that some of what confuses us is funny, and some of it gets really, really serious, right? Like we just had a little fun thinking about those kind of things, and that's just word games, really. But here's the question that we're going to try to tackle this morning. For those times when you're trying to make sense of it all, you need to meet God personally. Now, in your uh, bulletin, there's an outline uh, you can follow along. And um, the first thing there is that an encounter with God will change everything. I know some of you like to follow along, and I don't do this all the time, but some sermons don't set up for this. But this sermon, this series is going to kind of set up for us to have outlines. I'm going to try and have these for you every week. Um, An encounter with God will change everything. And so some of you in the room, you need to hear what I'm about to say this morning. Some of you are coming to Cross Lane, and you like it, and you, you, know, you, you come, and you sing a little bit, and you, we talk, and you, you maybe feel a little better and feel encouraged, and you leave, and you feel loved and supported, and you've had an encounter with us, but that is not all that you need. Okay, we didn't just set Cross Lane up. Cross Lane doesn't exist so that you can just come and have an encounter with us. If that's all this is, you're being shortchanged. 
okay? There's, there's got to be more to it than that. We don't want you to just come have an encounter with us. That, that, that doesn't really do a whole lot for you. But if you've been t- attending here for any length of time, you probably know our vision statement. I use that in sermons uh, occasionally. Um, probably should use it more. Uh, maybe some of you that have been going here for a while don't know it, and we want you to know our vision statement. So on the count of three, I'm going to say it. I want to see how many of you know the vision statement of the Crossland Community Church. Are you ready? One, two, three, bringing people to Jesus. Okay, that's our vision statement. That's, if you, if you're, if someone says, hey, what's Crossland about? Bringing people to Jesus. That's simple. That's all we're trying to do. Now, Now, I've had people say, Brett, that mission, that vision statement is pretty simple. It's pretty short. Uh, I don't know that that's enough. No, that's plenty. In fact, we, if you see our shirts, our t-shirts, and sometimes on our website, you'll see a tagline that we use, and it's broken whole. That's really our vision statement in two words, bringing people who are broken to Jesus who makes us whole. And so our, the whole idea behind the vision is if we can get you closer to Jesus, I don't care whether you've been a Christian your whole life, or whether today's the first day you've ever stepped inside of a church and you've, the first day you've ever heard the word Jesus, the closer we can get you to Jesus, the more your life is going to change. Okay, that's really important for you to understand. And so that's all we're trying to do. But there's the mission statement that is a little expanded version of the vision statement. And I doubt many of you are as familiar with the mission statement as you are the vision statement. And the mission statement sounds like this, bringing people to Jesus so that they can get close to God, that's what we're talking about today, so that they can get close to God, make friends with one another, and influence non-believers. There's three things that we're trying to make happen. We're trying to get close to God, we want to make friends with one another, we want you to have friends here. And then we want you to be sent out to influence your non-believers to come to know who Jesus is, and to get them close to God, to bring them to Jesus. So, you say, Brett, well that's where I get frustrated. Because I, I don't know how to, how to get one of these encounters with God. I don't know how to get close to God. That's, that's, that's why this gets frustrating for me. And maybe you come to church and you just feel like you're banging your head against the wall. Like, I, you know, Brett's talking about encounter with God. I'd love to have one of those. How do I do that? Well, my guess is you are probably going about it the wrong way. And Isaiah is going to teach us. Remember, Isaiah is a seer. He sees things. He saw the crucifixion and he saw the passion of Christ 800 years before it happened. How would you like to have that kind of vision in your life? I'm not suggesting that you're going to be able to see 800 years down the road. But I am suggesting that as you have a a, a connection with God, as you have this experience with God, and as you spend time with Him, He is going to begin to reveal things to you and give you better vision for your future. That's kind of what we're talking about today. He tells us how. And again, I've given you an outline, and, and you can follow along this morning. An encounter with God changes everything. That was the first point. Here's the second point. Our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. Our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. What am I saying? I'm saying that God will usually reserve those times where you go through pain to when you're hurting the most, he's probably going to use that to speak to you. And here's why that's important for you to hear. Because most of the time when you go through pain, Most of the time, when you're going through some emotional or spiritual pain, your tendency is not to run to God, your tendency is to run away from God. That's what we do. Either we're afraid or we're angry or something, and we blame it on God, and instead of running to Him in our pain, we run away from Him. And if you're in the middle of a pain right now, the the best thing I can tell you is don't run from God. 
Turn around and run to him. Do not run away from him. Even if the pain that you are experiencing is a pain of your own making. We have this tendency to say, well, you know, I've screwed up so bad, I can't go hang out with God. You know, I've messed up so bad, he doesn't want to be around me. No, run to God in your pain. Don't run away from him. This happens all the time. People, they, they run away and they say, I have to get it all straightened out before I can spend any time with God. No, that's crazy. How are you ever going to get it back on track if you don't run to God and let him help you? Now, that, that may be why you're not encountering God. is because you're running away from him and you're not running to him. So I told you to turn to Isaiah 6. Let's look at verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, I could, there's a sermon just in that one sentence all by itself. King Uzziah, what, what Isaiah is saying is, our king, this king that we loved, and he was a great king. He, he started off strong. He did some really great things. He was really, uh, he was kind of God's man, and, and he did some good things. And then he kind of lost his way, and he made some mistakes and, and did some things. And he kind of left our whole country in darkness and disarray. And it was in the middle of that dark moment. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. How many of you watched the royal wedding yesterday and saw Princess Megan, is that her name? Princess Megan Markle and her train. Wasn't that beautiful? He says here that this robe filled, the, the train of his robe filled the temple. That's what I, when I saw that train yesterday, that's what I was thinking. Above him were seraphim. That's really just another word for angels. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory, is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds, in other words, what he's saying is the foundations of my life. That's kind of symbolic language. The, the doorposts and the thresholds, the foundations of my life shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Now you need to know that in the darkest moments of your life in those moments where you're tempted to run away don't run away from god people run from god and when they do they miss the next point the next point is this when we see god clearly we see ourselves clearly when we see god clearly we see ourselves clearly so before he does anything else god wants to do a a work in the deepest parts of your soul and that's where some of us kind of freak out and we push back and we say no god don't go there i want to go i want to go to heaven but i want you to leave me alone i i want all the benefits of heaven but i don't want you to change anything in me i don't want you to come rearrange anything it scares me to think like that i'm i'm kind of afraid to have an encounter with god because i don't know god what you're going to do just don't change me listen you can't have an encounter with god if you're not willing to allow god to show you who you really are Are you willing to stand beneath the canopy of God's love and and, and trust him enough to just bare your soul and say, God, what needs to change in me? Are you holding a grudge? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there some sin that you're involved in that, that you know you shouldn't be involved in, but you just need to let it go? Do you have a hard heart? Are you mean spirited? Are you a gossip? Are you jealous? I mean, God, here it is. I I just want, want you to change me. I want you to do this work in me, this part of me. I know this doesn't please you. I know this is causing problems in my marriage. I know this is causing problems at work. God, come in and change this part of me. You can't have an encounter with God unless you're willing to allow God to change you. 
Listen to what Isaiah said. He said, I was so upset that King Uzziah died, I, 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 I've got my own issues. Verse 5, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He saw his own condition. He saw his own sin. This is how you have an encounter with God. I'm, I'm trying to help you. God wants you to get, he wants to get down to the deepest parts of your soul and one of the best decisions you will ever make in your life is when you get yourself in and around the body of Christ and you meet some people where you can kind of get alone with them and with God and you can have a safe place where you can talk about some areas where you need to work. Where, where, you know, it might be some of you need to be in a life group where you can be around some people that you can, you can talk to, that you can trust, that you can say, listen, I'm, I'm struggling in my spiritual life in this area. You need to be around people who love God and love you and get close enough where you get the courage to say, can I tell you about the deepest part of my life? Now, I know that when you hear that, that scares the bejesus out of you, right? Like, oh, Brett, I don't want to do that. That might be the best thing that you could ever have happen to you, that you would be around somebody to be able to trust them enough to say, can I just open up to you and tell you some things? And you need to take off the mask that every one of us, including me, has on at this moment right? Because we all wear them. We wake up, we put the mask on, we go through the day, right? How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, you're not. No, you're not. And I, I understand. You're not going to just tell everybody who asks you how you're doing that your world's falling apart, but you need somebody that you can do that with. That's one of the things we want you to find here at Cross Lane. And one of the great places you're going to find that is in life group. You want the truth? Most of us are scared to do the one thing that we need to do more than anything else. And that is to just state the condition of our heart and our relationship to Jesus. Most of us, if you were to walk up and ask us, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Wife's good. Kid's good. I, I, you know, I'm pretty good. Work's pretty good. Um, car's not acting right, but it's pretty good. We just kind of go into pretty good mode. Right? Somebody asks us how we're doing. Pretty good. We're, I'm, I'm pretty good. How are you and Jesus getting along? Pretty good. You know, I, I pray some. Uh, uh, I got a few things to work out with him, but we're, I, I'm pretty good. That's kind of, we go into pretty good mode. And listen, not until you're honest and not until you see yourself clearly and acknowledge your sin and acknowledge your brokenness are you ever going to have an encounter with God where he can actually work on your heart and change you from the inside out. You've got to be honest with yourself. If, and you've got to embrace this encounter with God where you just basically say, God, show me what needs to change. Here's the next step in the journey. Write this down. God removes our past so he can redeem our future. He removes our past so he can redeem our future. Some of us, the reason that we're stuck is because we are not looking out toward our future. And the reason we're not headed toward our future is because we haven't yet been able to take our eyes off of our past we haven't let God help us with our past you're stuck in it and you need to get over your past so that you can look out and see your future and embrace it and see what it is that God is going to call you to do I am about to tell you a story that I um, I'm going to be very transparent it takes some guts to do what I'm about to tell you before I came to this church um, I was out of ministry. I had held a ministry for a while, was out of ministry for about two years, and that just was a horrible experience for me. It didn't go well at all. Um, and I found myself needing a job, so I took a job with these two very fine Christian men. I will be indebted to them for the rest 
of my life for them looking after me and, and they shepherded me, they, they pastored me, they were just great men. But uh, I was working with these two guys that remodeled houses and, and did things like that. So imagine me, they put a hammer in my hands, okay? Now I'm, I'm, I'm okay, with, I'm pretty good with a hammer. But I'm not great with a hammer, let's just be honest. I mean, I know just enough to get my thumb swelled up pretty much is what I know. But these guys gave me a job. And one of the jobs <clears throat> that we had, we were, we were doing fire restoration. And this house had caught fire and, and we were, our job was to go in and clear it all out. And we were going to, you know, redo the things that need to be redone, repaint, use the kills, the whole deal, right? And so step one is you have to go in and you have to clean all this stuff out. And, and it, spiritually, emotionally, um, I would say mentally, I was probably in the lowest worst place I have ever been in in my life on this day I'm going to tell you about. And I'm going in and I'm gathering up arms full of just junk and I'm carrying it out and it's a pretty long walk and there's a dumpster and for whatever reason they didn't get a load, they got this massively huge dumpster. It was taller than I was and you had to basically throw this stuff over into the dumpster. The door wasn't swung out so you could do that easily. The only way I could do it was just throw it over the side. And I would do that, and I'd get half of it over, half of it would fall back. And then you'd go into that thing. You know how when you wake up, and you go to work, and you, nothing's going right? Like, you, it, your traffic was bad, your car didn't want to run right. You get to work, you go pick up your pen, it falls to the floor, and you start thinking to yourself, oh, this is what kind of day this is going to be. You know what I'm talking about? And then you spill your coffee, and it just gets worse, and then something else happens, you're like, oh, this is what kind of day this is going to be. Now people don't want to come into your office. You're answering the phone like, what? And it just spirals, right? That's kind of the day I'm having, on top of this being probably as dark spiritually a day as I've ever known in my life, all right? Dark. To add to that, it's mid-January. It's that misty like 33 degree rain and it's blowing you know what i'm you remember that that's the kind of day this is and i'm gathering up stuff off this living room floor and i'm walking out to the dumpster and i'm trying to push it up and over and it's falling back down on my head and in that moment i fell in a heap against that dumpster in the rain as far from God as I've ever felt in my life and I wept there was sin in my life I had done some things that I shouldn't have done things that I was ashamed of, things that I thought God wanted to punish me for. And I wept. And I loved God with my whole heart. But I couldn't get my eyes off my past and onto the future. And in that moment, had someone walked up to me and said, Brett, in 2018, you're going to be the pastor of a church of about 500 people, 
You're going to have all kinds of friends. You're going to have all kinds of great experiences. You're going to be on a platform telling people about Jesus every single week. I would not have believed you. Because on that day, I wanted to take my life. On that day, I felt as far away from God as a single man can feel. On that day, there was no way I could see any future because I could not get my eyes off of my past. And the reason many of you can't see, the reason that many of you need Isaiah the prophet to come out and run a lap with you is because you have the wrong picture of God. You grew up in a church where they just told you everything that was wrong with you and how you didn't measure up and how you weren't good enough and how God demanded more of you. They never told you that you could do something that could change the world. They never told you that God wanted to settle yesterday once and for all so that you could embrace a future that you can't even imagine right now. You've never been told. And some of you, even as I say it to you right now, you can't imagine that it could be true, that you could be a world changer. And when I say world changer, I'm not talking about changing the whole world. If you could change one person's world, you've changed, you're a world changer. Why don't you go to church? Well, you know, Brett, I mean, why do I want to go to church and hear all the bad stuff about me? I mean, if I want to hear bad stuff about me, I'll just go talk to Mama. But Mama will tell you the truth, right? Mama tells you the truth. When you're screwing up, Mama tells you you're screwing up. And if I, just, if I want to hear that, I don't need to go to church. I'll just go talk to Mama. See, you don't want to hear all that negative stuff every Sunday. Listen to me. God is not a negative God. God doesn't hate you. He doesn't want you walking around in your past just feeling like you're useless and worthless and you can't do anything. That's not what God wants for you. He wants to settle your past once for all. And, 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 and it, let's be honest. Let's tell the truth here. Listen to me. God loves you. He's crazy about you. And, and you've got yourself so convinced that God doesn't want anything to do with you because you've got your eyes on your past. I'm telling you, lift your head and look forward into your future because God wants to change the world with you. And you can't do it as long as you've got your eyes on what's happened in the past. I've talked to people all the time. Brett, I can't get past my past. What you're telling me is the cross of Jesus isn't big enough for your sin. That's what you're telling me. You're telling me that the love of God isn't as big as the worst thing you've ever done in your life. And here's what I'm telling you. Nothing you have done, nothing you have done is bigger than God's love for you. Nothing you have done is bigger than the grace of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on a cross for you. So leave your sin behind. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day you need to do that. But leave your sin behind, get your eyes off your past and into your future so that God can lead you into what he has for you. God has a plan for you. Isaiah 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. The altar is the place where the blood sacrifice was made that paid for your sins. The altar for us is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's our altar. It changes us. Verse 7, with it he touched my mouth and said, see this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm talking to somebody. The reason that you haven't had an encounter with God 
And the reason that your life still doesn't make sense is because you haven't really let God take away your yesterdays once and for all. You're still seeing life through the lens of yesterday, and I'm telling you that until you can put your, your eyes on the future, you're not going to get past it. He, he, he's already paid for your sin. Hebrews 9 tells us that he cleanses our conscience and changes the way we feel about ourselves. He changes us. And here's why we're doing all that changing on the inside of us. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? God's saying, I need a candidate. Who am I going to send? Just a few verses before this, Isaiah is saying about himself, I'm an unclean man. Woe to me. And now he says, I need a champion for God. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. God isn't asking, God's, or God's just asking. God will not force you to follow him. Okay, he doesn't force you. He's not gonna, he doesn't yell over the crowd. That's not how God does it. You gotta, you gotta hone in and listen for the still small voice. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, I'm your man. I'll do it, I'll go. You want an encounter with God? Here's how it happens. When you have pain in your life, don't run from God, run to God. And then when you, when you get there, you just need to know that God wants to touch the deepest parts of your life. Some of you are never going to experience God like you need to until you let him settle yesterday once and for all for you. So that you can then go out and live in the glorious promise that he has for your life. Some of you will never experience the best parts of your life until you do something for God that changes the world. I don't know what that is. God has something for you. He wants you to be a mentor. He wants you to be a coach. Maybe he wants you to adopt or foster. I don't know. Maybe he wants you to lead in a life group. He might want you to be a pastor. Woo! Here I am. Send me. Get in the game. Do something. Stop sitting around thinking about your past. So if we were in a long-distance run on a track and competing in the arena and Isaiah was going to come out of the stands and run with us for a lap, what would Isaiah say to us? I want to give you three final things real quick before we go home. Three things that, that I think Isaiah would say to us. Number one, God wants to reveal more of himself to you. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, God wants to reveal more of himself to you. I'll just talk about me, okay? Well, I'll just leave you alone. I'll just talk about me for a minute. God, I've learned more about God in the last five years than I did the previous 10 combined. I learned more in the last 10 than I did the previous 20. I am hungrier for God today and hungrier to know and realize that I know less. I, that's what you learn as you get older. You learn as you get older that you don't know anything. Isn't that true? You know, when you're young, you think you know it all, and then as you get older, you're like, I don't know anything. And so now I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for God to teach me. I, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm reading my Bible now more than I ever have. I'm reading books more now than I ever have. I'm hungrier for God now than I've ever been. I'm trying to learn more. I haven't learned everything. You're never going to know everything. Listen, if you think that there's nothing more for you to know about God, you're going to get bored in the Christian life. Right? That's, that's not a good place to get. You come to church and it's just basically, well, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Right? I get up here and I start talking about, we're going to talk about the prodigal son. Oh, I've heard the story of the prodigal son. I know how that ends. I don't need to listen. Where's my phone? 
Oh, we're going to talk about the sheep and the goats. Oh, I've heard that story before. I know how that ends. I'm going to play a game on my phone. Have I got any messages? You're not that important, okay? Just put the phone down. Oh, I, I know how this story ends. I've, I've heard this a thousand times. He's not going to teach me anything new. Listen, as long as that's your attitude, you're never going to have an encounter with God. Here's what you need to hear. Isaiah 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Congregation, seek the Lord. Brett, seek the Lord. Everybody, seek the Lord. Go after him with all your heart. Give him everything you've got. Seek the Lord. And then Jeremiah adds this great little detail. You will seek me and find me. And God says there's a condition on it. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The secret to finding God. Are you ready? Here's the key. You've got to go all in. All in. The truth is a bunch of us are trying to control our spirituality. God's trying to take us in one direction. We want to go in another direction. Some of you are scared to death what God is going to do with you. Man, I'm afraid if I really go all in, God's going to send me to Africa. I'm afraid he's going to send me into the ministry, and I don't want to do that. Listen, you are safer with God than any place else you would be. If God's calling you somewhere and you don't want to go because you're afraid, I'm telling you, you're safer going with God, and it's going to work out better for you. Trust me, when you do what God wants you to do than if you work against that. Let me just ask you a question. If you've got your kids with you in the store and you say, come on, let's go, and you start walking and the kid goes, no. What is your response? Come on, let's go. No. Right? You want God looking at you like that? You want God looking at you like that little impetuous kid with his arms crossed? Impetuous kid and, 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 he's, and he's like, no. Listen, that's not going to work out good for you. Trust me. I've been that per. I've been that kid. It never works out. When you get a sense God is calling you into something, you go, boy, that scares the stuffing out of me. And I'm editing on the fly. You should hear. It's awesome. If you knew what I wasn't saying, you'd be so proud of me. <laughs> There's nothing God has for you that if you did it, you wouldn't enjoy it with your whole heart. Some of you walk in here out of a sense of duty and you just kind of endure it. The music starts and you kind of like the music but you don't really show it, right? Because like you're, you're trying to, you've got a game going with somebody, you don't want them to know that you're really enjoying it and your, your toe's enjoying it, right? Your toe's got the victory, nothing else does, right? I ain't smiling, I, I'm not raising my hand or anything like that. You know, just give yourself over. Just if your toe starts tapping, sing the song and give yourself to it. You know, here's a thought. I mean, I'm not really a hand-raising kind of guy, but for some of you, that might be what you need to do, even if it's just a, and then you're done, right? Some of you, you just, church isn't supposed to be endured. I mean, we do this, we hope that it's a good experience, and we hope that, that, that you enjoy it. At the end of this, here's the homework assignment this morning, okay? Here's the, and it's, it, you can do it before you even leave the building. If you just do this, you've done your homework. Shelby and the band are going to come out at the end of this message, and they're going to sing a song, and it's beautiful. And it's going to tie in with what we've talked about this morning. And I wish you could see, when I stand down here, I wish you could see what I see. Some of you, this is what I see. Give yourself to it. Sing the song. Find yourself in it. Smile. That's the, that's the homework this morning. Put a smile on your face 
Sing the song. If your toes starts tapping, that's fine. If your hands want to go on the air, that's okay too. Let me tell you a little joke. Just to, I got to move quick. Bank robber goes into a bank. He runs into the bank teller, and, and it's just a still picture, and the bank teller is standing like this, and the bank robber's got a gun on him. The caption underneath says, I don't care if you do go to the Christian church. I said put your hands in the air. I love that joke. I love that joke. That's a good joke. You can tell that. That's clean. You can tell that joke. You know what Isaiah would say to you? God wants to change you. That's the next thing. God wants to change you. That's why I have to stay soft and moldable. That's why I got to come to God humbly and say, God, what are you, what are you doing in me? What do you want to do? Isaiah chapter 1 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. That's our role. Be willing and obedient. That's what you want out of your kids, right? Doesn't it stand to reason if you're going to be a son or a daughter of God that you would be willing and obedient? That's what you want from your kids. That's what God wants from us. You can't change your life, but God can. No, man, I've been, I've been this way my whole life. My granddaddy was mean. My daddy was mean. I'm mean. That's just how I am. It ain't changing, okay? Brett, it's not changing. It's, it's just not going to happen. It does not have to stay that way. Come now, let us reason together. Let's get together with God, and let's ask the question, God, what is it that you want to do inside of me? How do you really want to change me? I just had a great conversation with somebody back there today where they were talking about their conversation with God and how he wants to change them. Somebody in here might be tempted to say, Brett, that scares me too much. I, I just don't want to do that. Let me show you something. I'm about to give you a beautiful truth. This will set you free. 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had, had a taste of the Lord's kindness. See, what happens with a baby? A baby's born. We don't expect a baby to start walking right away. It's a process. It takes time. They just lay there for the longest time, and then they go mobile, and that's when your life really changes, right? They used to roll over, and you celebrate just long enough to realize, oh, stink, he can roll over. <laughs> that's not good. Then they're crawling, then they walk. A baby's not born, and then you start sticking steak in its mouth. It's baby steps. It takes time. One of my favorite things as a pastor is to watch people come to Christ and then grow. And just get stronger and become more mature. we got some people that have been going to church their whole life and they're not very mature at all. I got an email from an 18-year-old girl about two weeks ago. It was one of the most mature emails I've ever gotten in my life. I, just, I mean, it's just really cool. I mean, I've watched this little girl grow up. And I, I'm reading this note and I'm like, good night. I mean, this girl's figured it out. The key, take the next step. Take the next step. Some of you aren't Christians yet. You need to, that's your next step. Some of you are Christians, but you've never been baptized. You need to take that next step. You, you've been here for a while. You've checked this out. Maybe life group is the next step. Maybe the next step for you is you need to get involved in some ministry somewhere. Maybe you've been sitting long enough. You've been getting fat and sassy. Now it's time to put some of that stuff to work. Go to Tracy and say, Tracy, put me to work. I'm, I'm ready to go. Get on a team. Serve. Take the next step. Some of you need to start reading your Bible and having a quiet time. Some of you need to sign up with Kyle and go on this morning still. And you think, ooh, I don't know what God's going to do. That's the beauty of it. 
Sign up, let Kyle take you off somewhere where you're gonna spend some time alone with God and God may actually speak to you and you could have some kind of breakthrough you don't even know. Your whole world could change on that morning. Take the next step. Don't get stuck, keep moving. The last thing Isaiah would say very quickly, God has an assignment for you. You want to know what it is? You want to, you want to know what God has for you? you gotta, there's a plan that God has for you. You have a place in the grand design of God. Isaiah would say, I wrote it in chapter 60, Arise, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. You need to know what your purpose is. Listen, some of you have walked in here today, and if you're honest, this is what you would say. Brett, you know when you were talking about that dumpster thing? It's exactly where I am right now. I'm I'm in a heap, weeping at the foot of that dumpster with crap all over me. Get your eyes off your past. Let God heal you. Let him turn your face and put it toward a future that you cannot imagine. That's what God wants to do for you. Let's pray together. Father, there are so many of us that are, we are, I mean, every one of us in this room is jacked up. We are just jacked up. And the beauty is you love us and you're committed to us and you, you, you think we're awesome. For those of us who've come to Christ and been forgiven, when you look at us, you see saints. You see beauty and purity and holiness on us. We don't feel like that, but that's what you see. And God, somebody walked in here this morning, and they need you desperately, and I pray that you would speak to them and help them to understand that they need to give their life to you. Father, for the rest of us, we've got to get our mind off our past and understand that you have forgiven us once and for all and set our jaw to the future and say God what do you have for me I'm ready to step into it I'm ready for my encounter with God Father I thank you for the life of Isaiah this great man of the Bible who had words of wisdom for us today would we truly step into the beauty of being your sons and your daughters it's in Jesus name we pray